Greetings and welcome to episode 1 of Insight with Richard, brought to you from Pretoria, South Africa, and I'm Richard Ofer. The topic for discussion today, as promised last week, is family rituals and routines. Before we proceed with the subject for today's discussion, permit me to pay tribute to all departed souls in the past few months as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. For those of us who have lost family members, friends and colleagues, the reality and danger of the virus is simply never reckoned. And I pray that God will restore our pain and losses. Death is inevitable and we will all at some point make that journey. Okay? But to prematurely succumb to a mystical infection and depart the earth is one that is so difficult to comprehend. I don't think anybody is ready for that. It's heartbreaking to know that there are still people out there with doubt about this coronavirus and will give reasons in defense of their behaviors and utterances against COVID-19 preventive protocols and measures. Some of us have come very close to the virus, so close that we cannot by any chance underestimate its existence and devastating effect on the patients, the associate family members, colleagues and friends, and even on the health practitioners who go through diverse difficult means in order to take care of the situation and the patients. My humble submission is that we all adhere to the COVID-19 protocols in order to reduce the spread and also save lives because all lives do matter. Please keep safe wherever you are. Right, back to the main topic of discussion, routines and rituals. It's sometimes difficult to distinguish between rituals and routines. Rituals and routines are widely discussed elements, but clear distinction between them don't really get the needed attention. Both of these concepts involve multiple family members and are unique to family households. If you look at the past 50 years or so, you will realize that a lot has changed, but it would be a very big mistake for us to conclude that family routines and rituals in particular have lost their intended meaning. Rituals are most often described in terms of celebrations, traditions, religious observations, and um, symbolic events. And routines, on the other hand, has been operationalized as behaviors that closely link behaviors that are, are closely linked with daily or regular activities that are pertinent to our lives. Now, family households are the primary places where these uh, routines and rituals are constructed, where they are deconstructed, and then where they are also uh, reconstructed, if you like. Now, the rituals and routines refer to specific repeated practices that involve two or more families. So family rituals involve communication with symbolic meaning that establishes the understanding of what it means to be a member of a particular group. Routine is, is in particular characterized by communication that is instrumental 
and that involves a momentary time commitment and are in all cases repeated regularly holding no special meaning whatsoever right now rituals on the other hand are emotionally meaningful and they convey the message such as this is who we are this is what it means to be part of this family right it is imperative to note that we are looking at both of them as one element only because even though they are different they are interwoven in daily interactions for example dinner at homes is not purely a routine or a ritual but it rather contains certain features of both elements there are practices during meal times that may not have special meanings for instance setting the table and washing the dishes have no special meanings now the meaningful aspect of the meal could include having specific food on certain special days and also praying before meals as practiced by some families now years ago i visited an uncle of mine may he so rest in peace and was served a meal as angry as i was i started eating immediately and invited my four-year-old niece to join me she stood there looking at me i knew she wanted to eat but she was not forthcoming so i asked her why aren't you coming to eat she responded you didn't pray the food almost fell from my mouth this child reminded me that it was necessary to pray before eating as a ritual in the family and that that particular act meant so much to her and her family so rituals are however distinct and unique to particular families reflecting family identity culture shared values and so on and so forth now within the complexities of day-to-day family life family routines and rituals provide a certain context for development in children and that is what we are interested in someone is probably asking but how is that possible and why is it so important how is it possible how is you know rituals and routine going to provide a context for development in children that is possible it's very very possible and it's important as well now family routines and rituals are both a necessary element for every family because they can help the family to create memories they can help the family to also share important moments develop important skills and also enhance family connections and satisfactions more specifically family routines can also assist with language development academic skill development and then also social skill development far 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 before a child is even taken to school so you see our homes are the first agents of socialization therefore we begin to teach these children way before they step a foot in a classroom or let me say in a formal 
classroom okay so each family will experience the effect of family routines and rituals in different ways and no routine or ritual will have the same meaning for every family let's say having dinner each night at 5 p.m is part of a routine however sitting together at a table and sharing one good thing about the day turns it into a ritual so rituals create deeper connections between family members allowing everyone within the family sector to feel good about the time spent together do you have a family routine do you have a ritual i want to believe you have one Not long before my first baby was born, a friend of mine told me that she loved listening to her husband read books to their son before um, he goes to sleep. As a soon-to-be parent, I stored this little germ away and couldn't wait to read books to my child. Not that it's easy to read out to a child who want to take away the book and flip to different pages without control once he or she is in your hands. What matters most is I quickly realized that it didn't really matter whether the child is calm to allow me to read to her or not. As long as I keep saying something to her, hearing, with a book either in my hands or hers she's fine okay now my child then with time became so used to the reading habit and would even give visitors books to read at their discomforts there's a lot of research on the importance of routine and ritual in children slides i will make reference to uh an American Academy of Pediatrics where it was stated somewhere that family routines and rituals are powerful organizers of family life that offer stability during times of stress and transition so you can see how important the family routines and rituals are to the families now take a journey back into your childhood and think back to your own fond childhood memories what sticks out the most what sticks out the most perhaps it was the cookies you made together um with your granny for the holidays or visiting the homestead every december maybe it's the dress and shoe you get every christmas could be probably a meet, meeting your siblings from other family members for a celebration once a year it could be a visit to the beach or zoo on your special days and so on and so forth it varies okay and there are a lot of them now a friend of mine told me that their granny used to cook seven colors every sunday and that meant so much to them so much so that they will always pray for sunday 
to come. For those who may be wondering what seven colors is, it's a South African rice dish made with different colors of vegetables. Very nice. Now, no matter what rituals you remember from when you were young, they meant something to you, isn't it? Yes. Now, as parents, it's both fun and important to create some of our own children. Okay? We, we, sorry, to create some of this uh, routine and rituals for our own children. Right? We have experienced one from our parents. It's high time we also create for the children that we are bringing forth allow me to be a bit controversial here by diverting a little into a certain aspect of our lives as couples which is quite difficult to uh, you know talk about and kind of comes as discomfort to many right now here's the thing there are certain actions and behaviors that we more often than not do not see as problematic but ends up altering the behaviors and actions of our children when they are when when those actions are repeated before i proceed it's necessary to note that certain repeated actions also ends up becoming a habit in the course of time once we develop a habit we act on it isn't it yes and we do so unconsciously in most cases and then we see nothing wrong with it there are people that will defend their actions even if that which they do is humanly not acceptable I'll give you a critical example of being a witness to a child climbing on top of another child at a crutch in a sexually explicit position. Yes, I can attest to how uncomfortable that situation was. I'm sure some of you uh, may have come across similar videos on some of the social networks. The act of a child climbing on top of an opposite sex child is not a mere act of coincidence, nor is it considered a joke. This is the result of a reflex of exposure to same act from home. Now I'm referring it to happening at home because I have not come across any form of play in a crutch that teaches kids to position themselves in similar or same act. It is disturbing. It is very, very disturbing to note that parent of the child or carer may have had or may have a routine of engaging in sexual positions or activities at the full glare of the child, who then develops the pleasure of practicing with other kids at the crutch. 
It's not bad for parents to be romantic, but it's poisonous for children to see the actions that lead to sex and worst of all, to be a witness to sexual acts. In the beginning of this program, we started. We stated that family rituals and routines refer to specific or repeated practices that involve two or more family members. Therefore, whatever mom and dad engages in, with a view or with a presence, whether knowingly or unknowingly of the child can also lead to the creation of a routine that is bound to be learned or practiced by the child. Now routines and rituals are very important, but we have to make sure that we do not manufacture other segments of routines and rituals which have the potential of disorientating the growing and learning process of children. Let me say this, it's not a problem for mom and dad to kiss each other in front of kids as an expression of love, but it's very problematic for mom and dad to kiss each other fondly and in an erratic way at the full glare of children. We cannot underestimate the importance of family routines and rituals, but we need to be careful of what kind of routine or ritual we directly or indirectly inculcate into our children. Family routines are very, very vital because it leads to skill development. When I say skill development, I'm referring to the development of language, um, academic skill development, yes, social skill development, emotional investment, and even marital satisfaction and family stability. And you, you may ask, why is dinner time such a powerful tool for raising happy kids? And how can we, as parents, get the most out of it? Now, these are the reasons why dinner times are very powerful. It leads to language development. That is number one. Now, the dinner time routine is so rich with language, exposing children to a broad range of its use, including narratives, explanations, clarifications, and cultural rules about speech. Within the structure of the meal, families discuss events of the day. They share stories about the past. They make plans for the future. All of this is done while ensuring that members are well fed and that everybody enjoys the meal. So the meal time provides opportunities to reconnect and be organized as a family. While these conversations at the meal provide opportunity to develop important language skills um, during the early childhood years, other common family routines such as joint book reading may also be uh, equally associated with important development or important developmental <coughs> outcomes. So dinner is a very good opportunity for language development because that is the time that 
you have all the opportunity and the chance to be able to correct children when they say something and then to also um, clarify issues and to push the agenda of um, setting cultural rules about speech for the children to pick up so if you are interested in working on your child's speech and language skills but don't have the time to do it all right due it to other commitments you can always try it at dinner I mean 20 minutes dinner will not take anything away from you because we even spend more than 20 minutes to watch our favorite soccer teams play. So if you spend 20 minutes eating food with your child, I don't think that it's a difficult thing to do. Now, the amount of language you expect your child to use should be based on his or her current skills. That is one thing that you need to know when you are teaching the child at the table. So try to make the child use slightly more language than he or she is currently comfortable with. A child will sometimes say water when she wants water. She only uses water. So at the dinner table, you are then able to tell the child to say, all right, I need water. Okay, or can I please have water? Right, so at the dinner table, we reconstruct and construct uh, languages and make our children to get to know the right thing to do. It becomes a habit, it becomes a ritual, it becomes a routine that, you know, the child, when we practice over and over again, the child is able to pick up and then it helps in the, their development. Though, so we can also look at academic skill development. Reading routines also supports the development of early literacy skills, which in the process sets the stage for continued enjoyment of reading into the school years. Now, shared book reading specializes children into the world of reading, but more specific to particular skill development. Talking with children during book reading routines provides a very rich descriptive narrative, which then promotes the vocabulary skills of these children. It's amazing. It's amazing. So when parents and children read together, the routine includes more than simply conveying the information in the book, right? It may involve cuddling up in a chair or sofa before bed with a good story, pointing to pictures, taking turns and sounding out familiar phrases, and then adding personal touches to the end of a story. In this way, the little time uh, is felt as an emotionally positive event and the reading is then viewed by the child as an enjoyable rewarding experience so the good thing is that it extends to beliefs about reading in the school environment so before your little bundle even gets to the classroom that little job bundle of joy has actually you know developed the habit of reading and there's not going to be any difficulty trying to hold the neck of the child to read by force. Now, it, it can be reasonably argued that parental investment in academic success and family routines do uh, overlap in non-trivial ways. 
it's 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 quite important to also note that this effect are not limited to well-educated middle class or whatever class of families right i've heard people say no these are activities of you know high and middle class families no no investment in dinner time and reading aloud routines are not determined by family income and not exclusive to a certain high middle or lower income families okay whatever class you 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 put you put you put yourself in um you know does not uh prevent you or give you an advantage to reading or teaching your children how to read or you know having dinner with them those are simple things that can be done by anyone so regularity of family routines has been found to be associated with academic success in low income families in urban and rural communities family routines may ease the transition to school as they provide children with a model for structure okay and culturally based expectations for behavior including following directions authentic general orderliness and so on and so forth so we cannot say with any certainty that family routines cause greater academic success but certain research have have suggested that families who add book reading routines into their busy lives and invest time and energy into maintaining organized activities such as a dinner time and reading aloud to children produces children who perform better in schools that is what the research says okay now the other thing that rituals um routine does is the development of social skills of children okay that is the second thing so we will say that family routines and rituals provide a structure for the socialization of culturally acceptable behavior all right in young children during the preschool years children begin to negotiate with parents about certain routines the parents then become more likely to compromise with their preschool children food choices and then with their early school aged children they compromise with um, activities or certain most of activities that needs to be carried out by these children as children get a bit older or when the family circumstances changes some family rituals might need to change too right yes life is so dynamic that we don't have to remain at the same place in a static mode when things change when the circumstances change we also need to be able to change for example your child might want to spend more time with their friends or you might be expecting another baby that those two circumstances right the the demands that the way we do things has to also be altered a little bit all right it does not take out the importance of what we are doing it just means that we need a bit of alteration just so that we can come to terms 
with the changes of time all right so sometimes you might want to keep a family ritual but your child doesn't what do you do you want to maintain that specific ritual but your child doesn't want it this is when you might have to compromise for example you always have family birthdays birthday parties but your child now wants a party with friends instead of family right so the compromise here could be celebrating with the family and inviting the friends along or celebrating with the family and then setting a date for the child to also have time with the children it hasn't taken away the essence or it hasn't taken away that ritual it just only means that we are trying to compromise because of certain changes all right within our environment and in our lives so getting a toddler to be let's say still at meal time can look more like you know requesting granny to put a thread in a needle very difficult very difficult but encouraging social development at meal time helps your toddler learn important social skills toddlers may seem like getting more food in their hair and on the floor than in their mouth but there is cause there's no cause for alarm because um they are watching and learning and then you you probably will be wondering how putting the feet in the bowl is a learning process for the child <laughs> yes but gentle and firm reminders really do get through to the kid so when the child puts her feet in the in the food and you say no do not put your child your your feet in the food you are teaching this child and tomorrow the child will remember that when he or she put the feet in the food the other day he or she was corrected so if the child is not with you it will be difficult for you to see whether he or she is putting the feet in the food or not that is why the dinner time with family becomes very important so that you can see some of this things happening and then you apply correction immediately it takes a lot of patience and repetition but in time with time your toddler can learn to eat at the table without messing um everywhere so one of the things that no time uh, can develop in our children is the ability to sit for extended periods of time now that is not to say that you should expect your little one to be quiet and well managed for the entire meal time. No. The best thing to do is decide how long you want your toddler to sit before she's allowed to get up. Then as time progresses, you increase the amount of time he or she spends um, sitting at the table and increase as she gets older. So the meal time is then providing an opportunity to teach the children what type of uh, communication are appropriate at certain times okay the meal time do provide that kind of an opportunity where the parents are able to teach children the type of communication that are appropriate at certain times right now let's look at things like yelling 
laughing out loud okay and then throwing things you know uh, around you see throwing things laughing and yelling are all appropriate in their own place but you want your child to recognize early that these behaviors are not allowed at the table okay yes so this is the time to help your child to also understand the difference between their inside and outside voice right and that food is for eating not for throwing because children can be funny at the table sometimes so when a child throws food at the table you are able to bring the child back to her senses that foods are not meant for throwing but for eating so just be ready to laugh sometimes when uh, the child passes gas or throws a spoon at the table because it's going to happen but let that be the exception and not the rule right so kids do certain things and we laugh but it doesn't mean that those things that they do that we love should then become rude. They should be a certain exception. So we must be able to distinguish between what can be laughed at and to what extent can we consider certain things to be uh, laughable and not. Because if you continue to laugh at the child doing one thing, the child automatically also feels that what he or she is doing is right. So we need to be very careful what we laugh at and what we do not laugh at. That is why dinner at the table is very important. Okay, very, very, very important. You know, children love to make you laugh. They, they really love that. And if you continue, so with the behavior. So anything you laugh at, the child will then develop it and think it's a good thing. And eventually it becomes a behavior. Then it becomes a ritual gonna be doing it continuously and the child develops a habit and it becomes very difficult to control that child so you need to correct the inappropriate behavior but do it in a positive way so that you can make more time an enjoyable experience more time is the perfect time to teach the good manners to your children as you use and communicate with good manners at the table your child is listening and also learning. The important thing is to choose something and be consistent so your child can learn expectations. Manners are a more important social skills um, than we sometimes think, right? They are social skills, right? That is what I believe. So when you say to your child, don't interrupt your brother, you are teaching the child about reciprocity okay and empathy right so when they watch you offer a guest a good meal or the best cut of a meal or meat they learn what we call generosity okay the child then learn how to be generous a visitor visits your home you give the, you serve the visitor nice meal all right the child learns how to be generous so simple acts of gratitude like saying thank you to someone 
for passing the sauce at the dinner table or for passing water at the dinner table are happiness building blocks right yes kids develop any skill you can think of better if they learn it in a routine situation that makes them feel safe and there's no better place than the dinner table then the third one we'll look at is emotional involvement the dinner table is a place where kids learn important social and emotional skills that they might not have the opportunity to learn elsewhere right repeated family gatherings offer the opportunity to create strong emotional bonds and an investment in maintaining connections into the future the family routines and rituals have become an increasingly if you like important consideration as the focus of special education during the early childhood years okay has actually shifted from the individual child to the family and in theory we can say that emerging adults who previously experienced meaningful family routines and rituals during their childhood and adolescent years are more likely to demonstrate the positive long-term effect of their family interactions in future interactions right we know that families are busy but we also know that most meal times only last about 20 minutes like i said earlier on in less than the time that is required to watch a soccer match from our favorite teams okay so uh, there's no excuse to not be able to get time for a meal that is going to present an opportunity to um, you know um, develop the child in diverse ways now in conclusion there are also certain things that disrupt the routine and ritual process okay certain things can disrupt it uh, for instance you, you a child may be used to a certain ritual or routine only to see the the family separated by an act of divorce or something and children will be torn between two families where one has to visit the other family and then so on and so forth but you realize that in doing so there will be a different routine or ritual at the other side and a different routine or ritual at the other side as well so that causes uh, a lot of confusion but you see children can learn very fast so much so that if you are a parent that uh, knows what you want and what you want your child to go through in terms of development you will be able to you know continue with whatever routine the child was having before the separation or the children were having before the separation or divorce or whatever uh, you may call it and the child will, the children eventually will become um, used to whatever routine happens from both sides okay 
So we don't have to allow separations to become a negative disruptions of the routine and rituals that children go through. Right. I hope you have picked up something from this episode and we'll make time again for the next episode. Let's all make sure that we engage in meaningful routines and rituals for a fulfilling family lives. The disruptions are going to come. There are different things that can bring disruptions. It could be, you know, a loss of job that can bring emotional pain or that can actually uh, destabilize a person's routine. But if we see the value of these routines, we'll always make sure or find other means to be able to ensure that it's protected and then it lives on. Thank you for listening to our show this time around. We'll come to you next week with another exciting topic. It's Insight with Rachel. I hail in peace. Bye for now. Greetings and welcome to another exciting and knowledge-based edition of Insight with Richie. This is episode 5 and the topic for today's discussion is talking about difficult issues with children. Now, it takes a village to raise a child is a certain African proverb that means an entire community for instance of people contribute for children to experience and grow in a safe and healthy environment and this is so because people within a certain community setup do have a certain influence in each other due to interactions and um, various aspects of associations this is why sometimes some children from certain responsible homes might unfortunately end up becoming irresponsible teenagers or adults. I believe we've all come across some of these, you know, people in our lives. We most often blame the parent and then sometimes wonders how same good parent or family could not inculcate or uh, um, kind of impact values into their own children. It's okay to blame the parent or family, but it's also necessary to understand that society needs to also take part of the blame because everyone is somehow involved directly or indirectly in the growth process okay so it is against this background that i'm of the opinion that every single person is supposed to have a fair knowledge of societal issues and how to handle 
or address them to the benefit of all. Now, children thrive in this life through the consistent love and nurturing from parents and the community. The security and support we provide to our children provide them with the self-confidence and then resilience required to cope effectively all right with 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 the challenges of life so it's important to note that children must interact with people outside of the home in order to be able to mature emotionally and socially then these interactions typically occur with with close relatives friends and neighbors and then also people at childcare centers, the schools, all right, and then places of worship or any other places of activities. So by coping with the minor challenges and conflict that is inherent in those interactions, children then gradually acquire the skills to handle more significant problems in life going forward. The children are also you know created in such that they learn by watching how the adults in their lives handle challenges and that is also something we need to take you know cognizance of we we've got to be very careful of how we also handle issues because the children are going to copy what they see us do children are impacted by events that occur outside of their home Okay, they are also imparted by event that also happens, you know, outside of their own communities, just like um, adults. So, the older the child, the more access that child has to information about events of life. A critical example of present issues can can be seen in accounts of political differences regarding uh, certain polarizing issues such as immigration uh, we can also look at service delivery for instance violence against children and women and then the use of guns and the, the control of it within our community setups all those are delivered by various medias right they are delivered by the various medias that are available to us using extremely aggressive and emotions uh, with polarizing you know languages in quite a hostile manner it's it's it very 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 worrying and disturbing these issues of our everyday life are handled in in such a manner that can provoke anxiety for anyone but it can be particularly stressful and damaging to children and that is where our concern is the painful thing, however, is that in most cases, parents are unable to help children at the time they receive this information because the transformation of this information more often than not happens outside the home. Okay, some time ago, we spoke about routines in our previous episodes. It's, it's, it's very necessary to... Um, understand that 
there are certain major event, events in our lives that disrupt the family routine. And some of this event is, is illness or people falling sick within our community setup or within the family setup. And also a typical one being divorces. And, and this may actually challenge a child's ability to, to, to cope. Now, things do happen that can turn young lives completely up, up, upside down, okay? If you look at separation, illness, and death, they obviously have a huge effect, and therefore, talking about them needs to be treated very carefully. Fears about all of these things that we're talking about and many others, whether they are rational or irrational, can preoccupy a child. So sometimes parents avoid discussing certain issues with children in the hope that the child might not be able or the child might sort of not be aware of the event. But we need to know that time has evolved and children in recent times have greater access to more information due to technology. And so they may even know of what has happened before we even get to know as parents. And this is what I think parents can do to break the news of um, events to children. As a parent, I believe you have to assume from the onset that your child is aware of the event and thereafter gently explore the child's understanding of it children often have difficulty talking about unpleasant topics but you know open discussions can help the child deal with difficult or embarrassing topics and diffuse irrational fears children in their nature needs to know that anxiety is normal and that anxious feelings of being anxious will disappear over time they are children so we've got to make them know this and once they are able to know this they will come to terms with it and then it will help them to reduce their level of anxiety. Parents who routinely discuss difficult topics with their children from an early age often find their children more open to talking about um, the complex issues they face as adolescents. So how do we then talk to children about difficult issues? As parents, you, you shouldn't be uh, sort of rowdy around the child you should remain calm present factual information and give the child undivided attention you should be able to acknowledge you know what a child says with phrases in 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 more ways uh, like I understand or with a simple nodding of the head in order to encourage the child to confide in you. And so 
you must also be able to reflect on what a child says okay as a form of encouragement yes so asking how the child feels can also encourage discussion of sensitive emotions or fears allowing children to talk about their own feelings also encourages them to acknowledge their fears and concerns and i do stress that and i am stressing that okay having difficult conversation is hard but if you handle it well it can bring you and your child closer together and also help you to understand each other a bit more than you do so put a little time and thought into the planning and you realize that this is not just going to help you to resolve or explain an issue but it could make your relationships even better too now sometimes parents may also have to address a difficult aspect of a child's own behavior and that is quite tricky okay when it comes now addressing issues that you know has something directly to do with the child's own doing for example a parent who suspects the child or adolescent of using drugs alcohol or um, engage in indiscriminate sexual activities or association with bad companies should address the issue directly with the child okay and in this case you might say i'm worried that you are using drugs or doing this or that okay you start off that way so that you can bring the child's mind to what you're going to say so that you can prepare the child's mind you know to towards what is going to come next i approve of this intervention why because it's important for the parent to speak in a clear and calm manner expressing both the 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 concerns about the child's behavior as well as their support and love so after the parent's concerns have been um, stated the child should be offered an opportunity to speak then the child and the parent should develop a plan of action to resolve the issue in the interest of the child's future and this may include an appointment with a pediatrician or a counselor i recommend that depending on the in, uh, on the seriousness of the issue at stake all right yes so it's not easy to have a difficult conversation with children it it might be because it's a time to break some bad news or try to find out more about something that doesn't seem quite right with them at the time whatever it is that you want to discuss it's important to think about where and how to talk so children would then listen very 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 important the where and how is quite a very important aspect that will determine the effect of what you are going to discuss with the child with the child so whatever the subject and however old the child you are talking to there are a lot of ways to make it a bit less painful for both of you 
and maybe even come away from the conversation knowing that you are even closer to the child than before. The way you start a conversation is going to depend on different factors. And that includes how 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 old, okay, how old and mature your child is and what you want to talk about. Right? Now, ultimately, it's always going to be up to your judgment about the best way to handle it. But what you are hearing from me could give you a few pointers and foundation. Okay? If 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 you like, right? So there are no magic words here. There's nothing magical about talking to children. Just few pointers, okay, as we have already um, discussed. So what we need to do is to actually follow the child's lead in the conversation. That is that is a very important aspect. Then we've got to be good listeners and then the conversation conversation that you're going to have with a child should be child-centered then you also need to acknowledge your child's feelings right now when all these are considered you have to make sure that you don't lie to the child and why shouldn't you lie about difficult topics this is because Lying can cause a lot of damage because kids are smart. And if they don't if they if they don't think they are getting the right information from you, they will get the information somewhere else. They will try everything possible to go further into finding the information. So you need to be able to be truthful with the kids or with the children so that they can convince they or they can be convinced that whatever you are telling them is the whole truth. And a lot of the times, it's going to be better coming from a trusted adult instead of the, the their friends or the internet and an unregulated social medias. So talking about difficult topics at different ages is is very very important because the way you deal with a toddler. Is going to be completely different from the way you deal with a preschooler right now toddlers and preschoolers understand the difference between feeling happy sad afraid or angry they, they you know they understand they know the difference but but they need a lot of reassurance to understand new and more complex feelings and they also think in in very you know, concrete ways and are still learning how concepts actually fit to, to together. So this means that when you talk about difficult topics with toddlers and preschoolers, it's good to focus on feelings that they understand and explain things in simple language. Okay, for example, a child or a baby or preschooler who might ask you a question like, where do babies come from? Okay, these are common questions that children often ask. Now, the way you answer a toddler is going to be different from the way you answer a preschooler. And in both cases, you must make sure that there is a sense 
of education. Okay, the honest truth. So a baby says, where do a child says, where do babies come from? Or where do babies grow? So to a toddler, for instance, you might say babies grow in a place inside their mummies called the uterus. Then when uh, a preschooler also asks the same question, your answer to this question may be that to make a baby a sperm from a man and an egg from a woman join together. Now, why am I giving these two examples? I'm giving these two examples because you can see from my answers that the answers they are not the same. Okay, they're talking about the same thing, but the presentation and the sentences are not the same. Okay, yes. So we need to also make sure that after a while we come back to the difficult topic we have discussed with a child okay if and if that particular child doesn't raise it with you okay after some time your child needs to process what you have you know you've been talking about but she might also need encouragement to talk about it again. So we, we, we need to make sure we revisit it and then find out if the child really understood whatever was discussed before. And if they didn't, then we can, you know, repeat things up until such a time that the child became, becomes acquainted with whatever the difficult topic is. Now, there might be things you find really difficult to talk about, and this is normal. And this could also be because of your own background or your cultural and religious values. Or it could be because a certain particular um, difficult topic affects you as an adult as well. Okay, for example, divorce. You could then consider talking to your partner or a friend about the issues that are difficult for you. You can you can you can discuss with somebody that you trust. Okay, so that you can find ways and means to then come back to talk to your child. Now, if you feel so uh, much discomfort and is unable and you are unable to discuss these topics with your child because of you know your uh, background or experience you can always seek the, the 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 services of another person to transfer the information because at the end of the day the child need to know if you are divorcing the child the child need to know the child don't have to find out that mom and dad is divorcing it is you the parent that need to transfer this information to the children so you need to find ways and means to do that irrespective of how uncomfortable you feel but if you think your feeling of discomfort is going to have a negative effect or on on how you transmit this information to the child then it's important that you seek the assistance of a friend or you know a member of the family it's okay to have feelings and to let your child know what they are but if you know if you if you show um too much distress 
it will not go well for your child. Your child might just simply copy your reaction or find it very upsetting. So in certain cases, you see a child that is very, very upset with you, the parent. Okay, and the child is upset because of how you deal with the issue. Right? Because you are upset. You are angry and the child doesn't know why you are angry. So with time, the child also copies your reaction and also becomes upset. You don't have to be perfect. You simply have to be willing to listen and ready to what? Respond to your child's needs. It's as simple as that. So establishing this open line of communication about difficult issues helps young minds to develop deeper understandings and also independent opinions and positive um, coping skills. All parents, and I mean all parents, are driven by an um, overwhelming need and, and a certain desire to protect their children. Not so. Yes, we believe our job is to keep them safe and to make life as stress-free for them as we can while they are still young. Right? So it's time to step into the blurry and somehow confusing world of talking to children about difficult topics. We've got to, we've got to step in. Alright? And this is why this particular episode comes out. So that, so that we will be awakened to know that it's very necessary that we learn or we become acquainted with the needed skill to divulge information that are confusing and difficult okay, to the children and our, 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 our kids. So it's not only that we do this to our own biological children but we can or we should be able to you know administer the same services and use or explore the same skill when we are also dealing with other people's children because remember from the beginning we say it takes a village to raise a child which means that we are all responsible to the upbringing of children within our community setup now, Insight with Richie strives to provide listeners with, with the most accurate and up-to-date information and resources. And our objective is to actually share um, our knowledge and expertise with listeners at all times. You're always welcome to listen to our program. We're going to end here with today's episode. And we urge you to continuously share this um, podcast to friends and family. And please sign in to the podcast or the platforms that you use to listen so that subsequent episodes can come automatically to you as an update. Thank you very much for listening. And if you have a question or comment on the topic, you are more than welcome to contact me or send me an email. Thank you very much for your time. See you next weekend.